Welcome to the Veganuary Podcast, the podcast that helps you to try a vegan diet. It's stuffed full of hints and tips for vegans and veg curious people. Hi Kim, what have we got coming up on today's episode? Hi Stu, today we're going to talk all things health and veganism. I'm going to chat to the lovely Ella Mills, who lots of people will know as Deliciously Ella. Yeah, but first we're going to start by talking about the most vegan thing that's happened to us this week and the least vegan thing that's happened to us this week. Um, Kim, I made a butterboard this week. <laughs> Do you know what a butterboard is? With the kind of butter smeared on the... Um on like a chopping board with like decorated with flowers and stuff i think it's something that no one does apart from if they're on tiktok so i did it for a, i did it for a work thing i wouldn't have done it otherwise with some flora right um it felt good i felt like a total waste of time did your oat biscuits feature on that oh biscuits with that yeah, yeah. you ate crackers yeah i, lo- I loved that um have you ever made one no i can't no. say i've got the desire no, to i don't think any real person ever has i um, imagine they'd be good for parties though for vegan parties and they look very pretty yeah there you go <laughs> and my least vegan thing well i've just done a lot of driving i've had a lot of traveling yeah. to do um things are all over the place in the uk with <laughs> trains at the moment so mm. um and I do really love driving. I, so I know dri- dri- vegans can drive, right? Okay. But obviously, um, uh, uh, I personally and lots of other vegans are really concerned about the damage to the environment and mm. uh, as well as the food industry. Transport plays a big part in that. So mm. it does make me feel a bit guilty. I'd love, I wish I could afford an electric car, but as things stand at the moment, I can't. So I think that made me feel a bit guilty driving around so much, but there we go. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are far worse non-vegan things that people could do. So I'm sure that you'll, we'll give you a pass on that one, Stu. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> How about my, you? Mine this week were quite funny. So I was on TikTok, which is where you'll usually find me um, <laughs> if I'm not running after toddlers. Um and I was playing the sound out loud, which is unusual for me. I don't do that very often. I'm, I'm a subtitles girl. Mm. And um, my partner was sat in the room um, and I'd been, <laughs> I'd been scrolling TikTok for a few minutes. And he was like, your TikTok is just vegan videos. <laughs> and I realised that I've like trained the algorithm. <laughs> only serve me (laughs) vegan creators and like vegan videos um so that really made me laugh because everyone knows how aggressive the tiktok algorithm is and how uh, easy it is to kind of veer off on another path so i must be really (laughs) engaging with did you see many did you see many butterboards do you know i haven't seen a single butterboard (laughs) i think you're on your own (laughs) do you know um, that was my TikTok algorithm, uh, algorithm is just people cleaning, <laughs> cleaning rugs. Are you on clean talk? I'm really into watching people clean really dirty rugs. <laughs> Listen, I'm not here to shame you for whatever things you do in your spare time. <laughs> I just really think satisfying. that, you know. Some things should be kept in the bedroom, but that's okay. So the least <laughs> vegan thing that happened to me this week, I'm going to move on swiftly, is I was trying to think about this and I was like, oh, I think I've been quite a good vegan this week. And then again, my partner very helpfully pointed out that I have basically just consumed junk food <laughs> all oh, week. No. Vegan junk food. But I think we all have that week where... I can't, I just hadn't got the time to stand and cook yeah. and it was like shopping week so I hadn't got loads of stuff in and I'd got to the end of like my fruit and veg box in the fridge. Um, so nothing nothing looked great and I think the only thing that was still kind of usable were like some carrots and a couple of potatoes that were a little bit past their prime so probably just for a soup, you know, they're, they're at that point where they look a bit sad. Um, and I'm debating, do they go out to my rabbits or do they do they stay in the house for food? So, yeah, so it was vegan junk food all week long. And I'm not even that sorry about it. It was great. <laughs> any highlights, anything, any particular food that was really hit the spot? 
I make a really good oh see I'm plugging myself now I make a really good um spicy like ramen (laughs) so like chili like chili oil and garlic and I don't use the seasoning sachet that comes with it but I make that and it costs me like 40p (laughs) and it's just (laughs) it's it's just carbs but it is um it's nice in front of the tv and sounds really good it's a highlight. I, I might make it for TikTok for nice. everyone to see. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, speaking of junk food, I think that's a, a nice segue, actually, onto what we're talking about this week. We're talking about health, aren't we? Um, yeah, from the sublime to the ridiculous, I guess. The <laughs> other end of the scale. <laughs> health. So, so, Stu, let's talk about your top tips for this week. It'll be everyone's fourth week here. Um Let's just dive into it. So what are the overall health benefits of veganism? Yeah, there's been quite a few studies done into um, how eating a plant-based diet can improve aspects of your health. So um, researchers found that you'll have a reduced chance of developing type 2 diabetes, um, that vegetarians and vegans in particular have lower blood pressure than omnivores and pescatarians, um, that vegans have lower cholesterol than the standard population. Um, and if uh, it's something, if you're, if you're interested in losing weight, then um, a vegan diet has been proved to be better for weight loss than an omni, a pesky, a veggie, or even a flexitarian diet. Um, so yeah, lo- loads of health benefits. We survey veganuary participants after they've uh, taken part for a month. And uh, we also hear about some some really good uh, health benefits that they describe anecdotally. So mm. usually between about 50 and 60% uh, say that they saw improvements in their overall health. Only about 2% ever say that they saw their health worsen. Um, and the rest just say that their health didn't change at all. And then some of the things that people particularly highlight are like improvement to their complexion, better skin, um, uh, a desirable change in weight. So gaining weight if they wanted to gain weight or losing weight if they wanted to lose weight, um, better mood, more energy. These are all really positive things we see coming out of our survey when people tell us that they've tried vegan for a month. Um but worth stressing, I always do try to stress, is um, a vegan diet can really help you be healthy, but mm. it, it, it isn't an automatic. You know, there are unhealthy ways to eat a plant-based diet. So it's not yeah. like a silver bullet. Um, you still need to really manage your nutrition and think about what you're eating. Um, um, yeah, but it can be it can be great for your, your overall health. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've proven this week that it's not all, it's not all sunshines and carrots. Um, okay, so I think I'm not sure if we've already talked about this in um, some of the episodes before, but I know that um, hunger to keep hunger at bay usually we find that people aren't eating enough protein to kind of sustain themselves and that's why people feel a bit hungry or um aren't quite satisfied so how do you get enough protein from a vegan diet um i mean it's worth saying from the outset that most people eat more protein than they actually need so we we've kind of been um led astray i think on the protein issue into thinking that we need loads and loads of protein people are eating much more protein than they actually need um so it's worth just kind of keeping an eye on how much protein you need and how much you eat like a a fitness uh app tracker can really help with that um and then it is pretty easy to get um protein from vegan food like this idea that it's difficult is a bit of a myth really because um things like tofu and seitan and tempeh are really rich in protein um but you can also get it from things like uh, pulses and beans and nuts and grains so there's loads of protein in plant-based food I think it's also worth saying that lots of meat substitutes have are kind of packed with protein as well um and so if that's what floats your boat then absolutely stuck up on those as well um another really really important one is calcium obviously for strong bones and there is um a lot of pressure from the dairy 
uh, industry regarding calcium um, and not getting enough with a vegan diet. So which vegan foods are rich in calcium? Um, what can you tell us about getting enough calcium, Stu? Yeah, the dairy industry has done a really good job historically of telling us that we get calcium from milk, right? But we mm. can get calcium from other places as well. And I mean cow's milk. Um because we can get we can get calcium from plant milks. Most plant milks are actually fortified with calcium, which means they have calcium added. So look for fortified with calcium on the label or source of calcium on the label. Um, and then you can get lots of calcium from plants as well. So tofu is a really rich source of calcium. Also leafy greens um, and pulses are good sources. And you should be aiming, according to the NHS in the UK, you should be aiming to have about 700 milligrams of calcium per day. Great stuff. So that's fairly straightforward then, isn't it? Just stock up on calcium-rich foods. Um, uh, Another, I guess, popular myth is regarding kind of anemia and having enough iron so i think it makes sense now to talk about iron and getting enough iron from a vegan diet so how do how do people do that yeah again iron's pretty easy to get from a vegan diet so kidney beans and baked beans are a really good source of iron actually I'm always surprised by this one, but dried spaghetti and dried pasta is pr- pretty rich source of iron. Also leafy greens and then dark chocolate and sweet potato are great sources of iron. This is good news for me because I love both of those things. Um, uh, different types of people have different, quite different iron requirements. So women between the ages of 19 and 50 have a, a need a lot more iron in their diet than the, the rest of us. So they need about 14.8 milligrams per day, whereas everybody else needs about 8.7 milligrams a day. Um, yeah, and all the, everything we're referencing here are uh, recommended daily intake um, by the NHS in the UK, because we're in the UK. So different health bodies will recommend different things, but, but um, it, it, that will be a pretty good guide for most people. Great stuff. I actually got distracted because you were talking about sweet potato. <laughs> <laughs> I made a really good sweet potato the other day, so uh, I'm thinking about it now. Yum. Well, let's talk about omega uh, three and omega six. So I think the common um, misconception is that you can only get that from fish or fish supplements. So how do vegans kind of satiate that need in their diet? Yeah, again, it's pretty easy to get this stuff from a vegan diet. Um, so a lot of, of things that people already eat will have these things in because sunflower oil and safflower oil is a really good source of omega-6. And then um, seeds and nuts tend to be pretty good for omega. So um, for omega-3, flax seeds, chia seeds, um, walnuts, and then rapeseed oil. Um, so flax seeds are like a really good vegan ingredient that I that you probably didn't think about eating before you switched to vegan, but you'll maybe start eating a lot now because <laughs> we've talked before about how they're a really good substitute for eggs and cake. But I always keep a little packet of ground flax seeds in my cupboard um, and I pour it in stuff like uh, porridge and over cereal. You can mix it into smoothies and stuff. It doesn't really have much of a flavour, so you can just sneak it into things. And mm. that's a really good way of keeping on top of your omega-3. Mm. Yeah, that's a good tip. I thought then that you were going to say you keep flax seeds in your pocket just wherever you go. <laughs> like, you know how people like have like hot, hot sauce or like sachets of whatever they dog eat? Dog treats. My neighbour always has <laughs> dog treats, like a <laughs> Dr. Doolittle. But yeah, um, I'm not sure flax seeds will have the same appeal to dogs. Well, you never know. If you're, if you're ever feeling a bit low in omega-3, omega-6, flax seeds in your pocket. Heard it first here. <laughs> so what about iodine then? That's that's one that we don't talk about enough, I don't think. Yeah, iodine is a bit trickier to get from a vegan diet, but and it's also quite tricky to get from a non-vegan diet. Mm. So lots of people are um, uh, have lo- low iodine levels. Uh, generally, it comes from um, fish in an omnivore diet. Um, uh, but... Um, historically, uh, iodine levels were so low among the popula- population that um, government started s- supplementing it into iodized salt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's it's pretty well known that people are low in 
in iodine, whether they're vegan or not. Mm. Um, you can get it from some cereals and grains and then a really good source is some seaweeds. Um, so if you're someone who likes to snack on seaweeds, that can be a really good source as well. Um, but you have to be quite careful with iodine because you, it is possible to have too much. So if you go overboard on the sea, seaweed, you could be... Um, exposing yourself to some health risks by having too much iodine so we say uh, you know look out for an iodine supplement uh, is a really good way to just um, manage your iodine levels uh, without having to really really do loads of work on uh, planning your nutrition in a really in-depth way um, so I take an iodine supplement every day. Okay so yeah, I, I didn't. I know we talked to Lucy about her snacks and stuff in the first episode, didn't we? And she mentioned seaweed. So mentally, I'm like, oh, Lucy, have we have we looked at how much iodine you're, you're taking in? But I'm sure she's fine. Um, moving on to B12, which is a, another one that I think commonly people think that vegans uh, might be lacking in, but that's not necessarily the truth. No, again, it's like it's not just vegans that are lacking in it. Like lots of lots of people uh, are lacking in B twelve, but um, we generally we get B twelve through um, meat and dairy. So it is something that vegans need to think quite carefully about when they switch to a, a vegan diet. Um, you can get it from some foods like marmite or another. Um, uh, what's it called yeast extracts yeah. spread um, is a good source uh, nutritional yeast is a good source it's often fortified in some cereals and plant milk so look out for that on the label um, but again a bit like iodine uh you have to be really, really good at managing your nutrition to make sure you get the right amounts of B12 from food. So mm. we always recommend, again, to take a B12 supplement uh, just to keep on top of it. Um, and uh, it, is, it is something that's quite common to, to see deficiencies in. So just, just look out for some of the signs that you are deficient, like feeling weaker or more fat fatigued than normal, having... Um, pale skin dizzy spells pins and needles mouth ulcers i've noticed before that i'll have start to get an ulcer on my tongue and if i if i um take a b12 supplement that sorts it out because sometimes i'm not always very good at keeping on top of taking my supplements um so yeah yeah uh, okay. that's it really i was going to ask should 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 we take supplements um but i think we've covered that a little bit so i'm just thinking uh, if I was a new vegan listening to this, I might think, well, do I need to take a multivit and then supplements on top? Like how how to best manage kind of supplements and making sure that you get enough of everything in your diet without overdoing it? Well, what Veganuary recommends is to take a B12 supplement, an iodine supplement and also a vitamin D supplement. So mm. vitamin D comes from... Um, sunlight, that's how we generate vitamin D. So we say take it in the winter months. And actually that's advice to anyone. It, it, that has nothing to do with veganism, really. Um, it's, it's just since we're advising on supplements, that's what we say. Um, so those are the three to focus on, I would say. Um, uh, and yeah, some people question, well, if you had a, a wholly nutritionally balanced um, diet, then you wouldn't need supplements. And, um, I, you know, I, I would... Uh, encourage you to think about that a little bit because um, you know traditionally uh, like iodine things have been supplemented into our food to keep the population healthy and we've yeah. talked on a previous episode about how B12 is actually supplemented into animal feed so it isn't even coming to us uh, in a natural way anyway through animal products when we eat an omnivore diet it's still being supplemented at some point in the food chain so um, it isn't to me, to me taking supplements it isn't uh, to show that your diet has failed somehow. It's just a really good way to keep on top of your nutrition mm. um, uh, and make sure that you're in control of everything, uh, especially if you're not that organized at really planning out your diet for the week. Mm. Um, and I'll just mention a resource that Veganuary has, which is really, really useful, which is called um, the Daily Dozen, which has been put together by a nutritionist called Dr. Michael Greger. And it's a checklist, basically, of all the foods that you should aim to eat every day for like an optimal, um, nutritionally balanced, healthy diet. Uh, mm. And it's really useful. Um, so you can get that when you sign up to Veganuary's emails at veganuary.com 
forward slash chai vegan. Uh, and Kim, I've talked before about how I have this salad every day. I always have a salad <laughs> for my lunch. And I find that salad is like a really great way of ticking off all of the yeah. things on Dr. Gregor's list. Because it's like, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but it's maybe like four portions of green veg. Uh uh nuts um flax seeds etc etc so if you can throw a lot of those things into a salad for your lunch every day um then you kind of know that you're keeping on top of stuff and i find that really helpful excellent well i'm every every time we talk about it i'm more and more intrigued uh about the salad and i'm gonna start a petition for the recipe to be put somewhere because it sounds fantastic and it's clearly sustaining (laughs) such vigor in you Stu. (laughs) (laughs) kim Uh, when you switched when you switched to a vegan diet did mm. you notice any changes to your health I think oh gosh this is going by now I think that initially I found I was much more energized at first because I feel that I don't know almost like dairy and they were kind of almost I felt like they were weighing me down so without Mm. them I felt much lighter and much more energetic as time went on, um, I wasn't very well versed in supplements and how to kind of have a whole diet um, as a vegan. So as time went on, I then suddenly got quite tired and I found myself quite lethargic. That was probably three or four months in. Um, and then I went to a doctor and they basically just said I'm deficient in B12 and vitamin D because I was yeah. not, not, you know, um, researching really what I was eating. So I take those supplements now um, and I'm more, much more aware of um, the various vitamins and minerals that I'm consuming. So I'm, I kind of back up to where I was at first. And a lot mm. of friends that I have that, that have either done Veganuary or are fully vegan have said a similar thing, that they just suddenly felt much more light and much more energetic. And um, I think that's really great because... It's it's such a common complaint, isn't it, between adults mm. that they're so tired or especially if they've got kids or demanding jobs. So I found that extra little kind of spring uh, really, really useful, um, especially over the colder months when you just feel a bit lethargic. And yeah, so so, yeah, I now am kind of painfully energetic, whereas before I was just energetic. So um, I'm sure everyone appreciates that uh, in my life. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Stu? Yeah, <laughs> Um, well, before I went vegan, so when I was a a teenager and say at university age, I had like a pretty bad diet. And then in my, um, sort of early to mid twenties, I really sort of transformed my diet to eat a lot more healthily. So even though I was still an omnivore. Okay. So I, um, so when it did come to switching to a plant-based diet, I didn't particularly notice a huge improvement to my health. I think because I already ate so healthily anyway. Yeah. Um, but when I, again, when I was like a, a teenager and in my early twenties, I had pr- pretty bad acne. Mm. Um, and then it, 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 it wasn't quite so bad once I got into like my mid twenties, but I still used to get a lot of spots. Um, and just thinking back now, you know, my skin is so much clearer than mm. it ever used to be. So maybe that's a coincidence. I don't know, but mm. it, 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 it would certainly coincide with, um, when I went plant-based. Yeah. So I think, I, and you know, as I said earlier, like loads of people tell us they, they see great improvements to their skin when they yeah. start eating a plant-based diet. So yeah. it, it would make sense that that was, would be why it improved for me. Yeah. Yeah. There is an argument there about kind of the, um, estrogen and stuff in, in dairy milk and, um, things like that, that kind of mess with your skin a little bit. Um, I've definitely read some studies that, that discuss that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I saw the same. My skin feels brighter. Um, I definitely have fewer kind of breakouts. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. That's yeah. One, like an unexpected benefit, like an extra, isn't it? Like on top of everything else. Mm. So yeah, that was a nice one. Yes. As far as I know, there's no like, um, conclusive no no conclusive uh, like agreement as to what it is about um 
about a non-vegan diet that can, can cause um, outbreaks of spots, but um, there's certainly there's certainly some evidence that there's uh, uh, something in dairy that yeah. that can trigger a hormone in the human body that can uh, yeah. create acne and spots. And then also you're just eating a lot more. Um, you tend to eat a lot more vitamins and antioxidants when you're eating more plants. Yeah. Um, so that could that could be a, a reason why your skin benefits as well. Yeah. Well, that brings us quite nicely into our interview with Ella Mills uh, because um, Ella had some really, uh, really quite serious health struggles um, when she was younger and that is what led her to discovering a plant-based diet. And she's going to talk a lot about that in the interview, which I recorded with her a couple of weeks ago now. Um, so if you don't know Ella, she is um, a food writer and businesswoman and she's the woman behind the brand Deliciously Ella. Um, Deliciously Ella began as a food blog in 2012 and it quickly spawned a number of cookbooks, a website and social channels full of vegan recipes. Um, a number of food products were stocked in the UK under the Deliciously Ella brand. She's also got an app called Feel Better, which combines recipes and meditation and workouts. She has a London restaurant called Plants by Deliciously Ella. She just does it all. Does it's it all. Uh, putting us to shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and she has a po- podcast, which is called Wellness Unpacked. Yeah, well um, listen. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is Deliciously Ella, Ella Mills. <laughs> Okay, Ella, welcome to the Veganuary podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, uh, thank you for having me. We're going to talk a little bit about your biography and your plant-based journey. But before we get into that, I have this theory that when people um, start eating vegan, they get a kind of food obsession or like a weird food combo that they get really into that other people don't quite understand. I wondered whether you might have something like that. I love that question. No one's ever asked me that question before. You know what? It's fine. I want to have, I wish I had something so good to tell you, like something that people would think, ah, I'm going to go and try that. My two were, I had two, if that's okay. Um, they were so basic. They were literally the basic of the basic of the basic. Yeah, but um, I bought my first, it was just a mini, mini food processor. And I, I, you know, kind of pre-changing my diet and getting into plant-based food, I wasn't a big cook, so I was really excited about my food processor. I just wanted to use it for everything, get my value. And I was just amazed at how much it transformed the really simple ingredients. Yeah. So I started making this avocado cream. I mean, it was so simple. It's just ripe avocados, oat milk, cider vinegar, um, a teeny bit of Dijon mustard, um, and then sometimes like a few soaked cashews or um, a little bit of maple syrup, salt, and lime juice. Um and then I would have that with roasted sweet potatoes and I would do the sweet potatoes as wedges with cinnamon, paprika, cayenne pepper and maple. And then you dip it in. Oh my gosh. It was just, as someone that never liked vegetables before I changed to a plant-based diet, mm-hmm. I really wasn't interested in this sort of food. It was just this kind of revolution, revolutionary moment of thinking, wait a second, these vegetables can taste so mm-hmm delicious and it's still so simple you know still just a sweet potato basically just an avocado but it was it felt like magic and then the other one was um uh dates dunked into peanut butter oh yeah and then if you dipped it in chocolate and put it in the freezer i mean those two things just blew my mind and i wasn't really sure if i was gonna to be honest enjoy plant-based food i i didn't think i would because i had a lot of preconceptions about it and suddenly i was like wait this is going to be good i can do this these two things are delish We've talked a lot on this podcast about my obsession with peanut butter and dates dipped in peanut butter. I, I can I totally agree, totally back you up on that one. It's really good. And um, the tip of a food presser, if you're, if you're uh, starting out on a vegan diet and you haven't got a food processor yet, what a good investment because you can do so much, as you say, with really simple ingredients. Do you know what? I, and this isn't a plug. They've never paid me. I've never even spoken to the company. But I recently bought a really, really great little one. It's the Ninja Chopper. I think it was like £22. It's really accessible. But it's um, and it's tiny. So if you don't have a lot of kitchen space, but you can make smoothie bowls, hummuses, pestos, um, all those sorts of things. It's not strong enough to make a nut butter, but it's it's strong enough to make 
you know, curry paste, yeah. the vast majority of things, and also chop up all your veggies. So yeah. if you're going to make, you know, some kind of like ragu, mushroom ragus, or a ragu for a lasagna, it saves you quite a lot of chopping time. Best thing I bought in 2022. Excellent. Okay, well, let's go back a bit then to how you started eating plant-based. I know that it was uh, to do with your health. So could you tell us about um, uh, the health problems you encountered and then how, you know, how that brought you to a plant-based diet? Yes, of course. So I'm going to be completely honest, but I hope this is almost like reassuring. If anybody is really, really new to veganuary and the whole premise around vegan food, I never would have believed that I could eat even a vegan meal, let alone a vegan diet. I, you, if you told me 15 years ago, you'll become plant-based, I would have thought, no way. <laughs> um, so, um, and I really wasn't interested in food in general. Not, it wasn't just plant-based food. I just, I assumed that was really dull, but I wasn't passionate about yeah. food. And then in my second year of university, so this is now um, 2011, mm-hmm. really out of nowhere, I got very unwell. Mm-hmm. And I spent most of that year then in that hospital and I saw neurologists, um, endocrinologists, gastroenterologists. I had MRIs, I had colonoscopies, I had endoscopies, I had ultrasounds, I swallowed cameras. Um, It was 10 days I spent in hospital and I'd wake up to little poster notes saying nil by mouth while I did yet another test. And basically no one really knew what was wrong with me except for nothing was working. Um, Sorry, as in nothing in my body was really working. So I couldn't control my heart rate, my circulation, my digestion. I had brain fog, chronic, like very crippling chronic fatigue. Um, I had really extreme stomach issues. I looked more pregnant at this point than I did as I was getting into the third trimester of my pregnancy with my daughter. And I was basically kind of housebound slash spent most of my time in bed and no one could really figure out what was wrong. And I was eventually diagnosed with a condition um, that affected my autonomic nervous system. And it was great to get a diagnosis. I quite naively, to be honest, at this point felt someone had a label for this. This is amazing because I'd really been past a pillar to post of what could possibly be wrong with me and no one could figure it out. And I was kind of looking at one obscure disease to the next. And um, anyway, and so I was then prescribed all these different medications. And I think it was at one point, it was about 20 to 25 different medications a day. And I was in my very, very early 20s at this point. Mm-hmm. And, but I did naively, it's what I was saying, I was pleased about diagnosis because I just thought I would take this and I would just get better, mm-hmm. you know, and it wouldn't be as quick as tonsillitis, mm-hmm. you know, taking antibiotics, but give it a few weeks, couple of months, I'd be back to myself again. And then fast forward a few months and and nothing had really changed. Um, Whilst they had improved vaguely some symptoms, they'd made the side effects had made other bits a lot worse and brought in new symptoms. Um, I ended up with a three year um, continuous UTI. I was on antibiotics. The longest time I came off antibiotics was 72 hours in that time. So I used to have to go into hospital for antibiotic drips. Like it was just it was becoming absolute hell. And I, I hit such a rock bottom when I had this conversation. I still remember it so vividly with with one of the doctors. And he was so lovely and he was trying so hard to help. But he just said, look, I don't, I don't have anything else. You've now tried all the medications that we're currently trying for this condition. They're all repurposed. So they do work well for some people and not for others. But yeah, he said, we've tried everything. We, we don't really have anything else. So scary. And, yeah, I just, at that point, I just collapsed. I just remember oh, so vividly, like, lying on my bedroom floor, hysterical, like, completely hysterical. I just felt kind of my life was over. I stayed like that, truthfully, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was just really apathetic. And it, I'd completely given up. And I don't know what it was, but it was something really quite suddenly dawned on me a few months later that, like, this was it. You know, it was a year later and nothing had changed. Like I was still so ill. I was never going to be, my friends were, oh, to be honest, at this point, former friends, I literally had barely seen anyone in a year. Um, They'd all started applying for their jobs at the end of university. You know, you could see where their lives were going and people going to move to this country and that country and do this career and that career. And I was sitting there thinking, at this rate, you know, I'm going to live at home forever. Mm. And I love my mum and she was an amazing support to me in this time, but I, I didn't want to live at home with her forever. There was no way I'd have a job at this point. And, you know, 
have children, etc. All these things that I kind of just assumed I could maybe do if I wanted to. Anyway, and in hitting rock bottom, I just I felt like I needed another solution, and so. I became very interested in what else I could possibly do. And I started reading stories of people all around the world who had changed their diets and changed their lifestyles and the effects on all sorts of different conditions. Sometimes it was a simpler issue to, to kind of, if I can call it that, like a high blood pressure, for example, yeah. bringing that down to the normal range or high cholesterol, and bringing that down to the normal range, weight challenges and bringing them down to the normal range. And sometimes it was really complicated, chronic or acute conditions and mm -hmm. diet and lifestyle were having such profound impacts. And I had never believed in you are what you eat before. I'd never really believed the impact that the way we look after our bodies could have such a huge impact on our mental and our physical health. And the more I started to read and then the more into the nutrition and the science I got, the clearer it became to me that I just had to try this. Like I had nothing to lose in trying it. But I did assume that I wouldn't enjoy it. I did assume that it was like just taking another medication. That's how I saw it as a like, and I kind of felt that I would do this until I got better. Mm. And then when I got better, obviously I would just go back to how I used to eat. And clearly that's not what I did in the end because I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I, you know, it wasn't quick by any means. It took me a couple of years mm -hmm. to stabilize my health, to come off all my medication. You know, I'd say it was three to four years until I felt kind of quote unquote normal again. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still conscious and, and definitely when I overdo it, a few symptoms crop back up and it's probably something chronic in that sense that I'll always be managing to an extent for my lifetime. But I live the most amazing life now and I don't take any medication and just yeah it's unrecognizable and also fell in love with this way of eating yeah amazing so I, I it sounds like it was a really you know dark time I'm so I feel very sorry that you had to go through that but I'm you know re really happy that you discovered plant-based eating um do you remember at the time kind of what the context was around veganism? You know, what was the world like for vegans at that time? Was it, did you find it easy to adopt a plant-based lifestyle? Yeah, such a great question. And no, not even a tiny bit. Um, I don't know how long you have been um, vegan or plant-based, but... About six years for me. About six yeah. years, okay. Yeah, so this was early 2012. And I mean, the landscape just looks so different. I mean, we at Delicious Yellow have been really tracking it and looking at, it's so dry, but penetration in terms of like um, shoppers in supermarkets of, course, yeah. of the plant-based category. And around that time, it was kind of like four or five percent. And it's now almost 50 percent, about 48 percent, about 23 million households in the UK. So, you know, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the trajectory and, you know, I do remember at the time I said plant-based because it's a term that really resonated with me. And someone said, sounds like you're going to eat like house plants, like you're going to eat the cactus. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because plants is how they thought of, you know, literally yeah. like a potted plant. And I didn't know anyone that was vegetarian. I didn't know anyone that was vegan. And that was why I ended up starting Delicious Ciela was I, I couldn't find the recipes and resources that I wanted. And I think everyone's got their own way to go about it. And I don't think there's a one size fits all. But what I found I was really struggling with at this point. So, yeah, in early 2012 was you had the more traditional vegan recipes, which were very much about replacing meat with an alternative. So um, instead of a beef bolognese, it'd be like using soya mince, but kind of the same recipe or, um, you know, mashed uh, mashed potatoes and and sausages but using vegan sausages and or you had the recipes that were kind of more, much more coming out of sort of west the west coast of america and it was very hollywood and it was a sort of 48 hour dehydrated almond um, for your dinner and neither felt quite what i was looking for yeah. i was really looking to celebrate kind of plants in their truest form like the carrot can be so delicious if you give it a chance and how could we really kind of raise that up and lentils and chickpeas and those simple simple ingredients but not in the LA way where it takes you 48 hours to sprout an almond um, again if that works for you that's amazing but I just felt then still feel now I don't really have the time mm -hmm. so much for, mm -hmm. for that and also didn't feel maybe as satisfying as as I was looking for. So we started writing my own recipes and just loved the creativity of it. But people thought it was very, very strange. You know, even my family 
My mum was so supportive. She was always so supportive. But she was sort of like, what are you doing? What are you going to eat? People were just literally, that was the response. Like, but what will you eat? Um, you know, I think the the idea kind of blew people's minds. And it's so interesting because, so this was 10 and a half years ago now. Mm-hmm. And my family, so I'm one of four, and my youngest sister is now pretty much, in, she's entirely vegetarian and almost all plant-based. Um, my other sister's pescatarian, but kind of mostly plant-based. My brother and his wife, they only eat plant-based at home. Um, then when they travel, et cetera, they, they, they eat anything. And then my mum is fully vegetarian as well. And again, probably like 90% plant-based. And none of them, you know, they all thought I was insane on day one. They're really lovely, but they all thought I was insane. And I find that's such an interesting example of how attitudes have changed. And I think they all realize that it tastes so good. They feel so good eating this. It's so good for the environment. Obviously, the ethics speak for it themselves. And it just kind of almost ended up like a no-brainer. And um, I met my father-in-law gosh, eight, eight years ago now. Mm. And um, when he retired, cooking became his number one passion. And, but he was really into French cooking and it was all meat based. And, you know, he'd spend seven, eight hours on the weekend cooking, loved it so much, but he would always kind of just boil his vegetables. Like the veggies were, they were quite forgotten. Um, And so when I first went there and, you know, um, my husband introduced me as as being plant-based and he just was, again, blew his mind. And he was like, what am I going to do with her? Um, and cooking's like, you know, it's his real love language yeah. as well. He's a very, very generous person. Yeah. It's such a big way that he shows that kindness and that generosity. And um, and he was so sweet as well. He cleaned out a cupboard in his kitchen for me, and it was Ella's cupboard. And it was done in the most kind, generous way. But I think it was so symbolic of the fact that this kind of way of eating was, you know, a years ago so other yeah so alien yeah. figure it out but now he comes around to our house every single week and we see him the whole time and um and i cook for him all the time and he absolutely loves it and sometimes we'll say you know do you want to go out for dinner or or shall i cook my my husband literally can't cook he can't even boil pasta um so you know should i cook and and he would pretty much always choose me cooking but again, would have never imagined he'd ever enjoy doing this. So I think attitudes in the landscape have changed kind of day and night, haven't yeah. they? I mean, I love that. I love that story. That resonates with something in my personal life where I have this really close group of friends. And um, back in the day, there was like one veggie and then the rest of us were, were omnivore. And, and not just omnivore, we were like meat lovers. And now I'm vegan my friend East Veggie is mostly vegan now. And then the rest of them, they're still omnivore, but they're so flexible. And they're like, you exactly. know, if we went out for a meal, they, I think they'd be more likely to order the plant-based meal now. Totally. It's, it's amazing the effect you can have on people. And, um, you know, if, if people are interested in cooking for you and they start cooking vegan meals just just to, to suit your, your taste, then um, often they'll, they'll discover that same thing with my mum. She discovered, oh, this is a really cool way to cook because she loves cooking but had never tried that before. So I, lo- I love that story. Um, so you, uh, you would like making up your own recipes. Okay, so how did you start? What what was your way in? Did you focus on like specific ingredients you liked or yeah, how did you do it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I still do, you know, it's probably, I should probably never like admit this, but I never, I almost never make a recipe again. Um, so we've made almost, I think it's like 3000 recipes that's delicious, the Ella now. And I, there, there's like, three or four that I remake, but they're really simple things like a great salad dressing that I make all the time, for example, or or a sweet thing like there's muffins I make for my kids a lot. Um, but I savoury stuff, I almost never make it again. I love, and I know not everyone does, but I love the creativity of getting mm. in the kitchen and looking at what you've got and then thinking, okay, what can I make with this? And I, I am really messy. Um, like my kitchen looks like a bombsite at the end of it. But um, I, I really enjoy the creativity of it. And as you said, it normally comes from, an, even in the beginning, looking at ingredients that I wanted to make, um, so an aubergine, and then thinking, okay, what what can I do with this to make it really interesting? And it doesn't have to be really complicated, but it's more like, okay, could I make a delicious miso marinade? Could I put miso tamari 
garlic, lime, maple, um, some rice vinegar, coat it all over slices of aubergine, you know, bacon till it's really tender and it soaks that all up. And and what could I possibly serve that with? And that's, I just, I feel like my mind runs away from me when I start doing, I just, I just so enjoy that. But, um, but equally, if you don't, which is also more than fair enough, I think, even if you just start with one new recipe a week as a as a kind of challenge and you know maybe it's a recipe something like a kind of black like a mexican style black bean or a chickpea ragu or something like that that's quite multi-purpose so you could do it one night toss through spaghetti and you could do it with baked potatoes another night you could do it with like grilled tofu etc but just just trying a few one new thing maybe a week as a way of feeling more comfortable with it because I do really appreciate that if you're used to cooking a certain way to suddenly change all your go-to meals particularly when you're really busy you've got a lot going on it's really difficult and I don't think anyone should underestimate the kind of emotional capacity of, of making that much change yeah, I think it's also really tricky if you're if you're feeding a family, for instance, and your kids exactly. have got certain things that they like to eat. So yeah, we, we often say at Big Andrew, try and think of the meals you already like to eat and then just find a way to veganize them. But I, re- I thought it was really interesting. You were saying you didn't feel like you wanted to do that. I understand not wanting to do like the LA, LA <laughs> uh, yeah. dehydrated carrots, but it, yeah, that you wanted to be more creative because that's very, very opposite to the way I um, mm. cook. Well, I think what I really wanted to do was celebrate the plant. Mm. Like I wanted to celebrate the flavours of plants versus use the mimics, which yeah. have just never completely resonated with me. But I still think you can take that premise. You know, if there's a curry that you love and you've mm. always made, you could so easily make the exact same sauce you know and obviously with your rice any toppings you like to put on the top cashews and coriander and chili etc and there's probably already some veggies in it Mm. and then you could just swap if it was a chicken for tofu or you know you put chickpeas and potatoes etc in there so I think it's trying to take those flavor profiles you like and then the other the other thing I find as well because often one of the questions I see all the time is I really want to do this, but I live with X and Y and they don't want to do this. Or as you said, like your children, maybe it's a partner, flatmate. And so what I used to do in the beginning, and I appreciate it's not, it's not maybe what everyone wants to do, but I did find it worked really well for getting other people on board instead of telling them, this is what we're doing. It's my way or the highway kind of thing, which doesn't always resonate brilliantly with mm-hmm. people. I would do that where I'd make my plant-based um, recipe as the absolute main of the dish. Mm-hmm. And then I would sometimes have you know, a tiny bit of chicken or parmesan or something on the side to show them like more gently that actually this sort of food is really, really filling and it's really delicious and the flavors are great, but without it feeling so unfamiliar, but you can then have the fully plant-based option, but it just, I think sometimes you've got to take other people on the journey with you and not everyone's necessarily ready to change everything all at once. And if you do have the preconceptions that it won't be filling, that you won't really enjoy it, et cetera, then I think it's quite nice to kind of meet people where they are. And I mean, I know it's so interesting. My mum's partner must have met like six years ago. And, um, you know, he was like, oh gosh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this weird veggie family. And that's what she did for him and, and for his kids for, for quite a long time. And then one day he was like, you know, I just don't need that on the side. Like, the you know, the, veg, the veggie meal is so delicious. It's so filling. You know, I really just don't need that. And I think, but sometimes you've got to kind of let people come on the journey and figure it out. And sometimes instead of the me element being kind of 80% of the dish and the veggies being 20%, you could flip that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a really helpful practical tip. And um, I have a bugbear when people say, oh, I can never go vegan. I'm such a carnivore. And I always think, well, no one's really a carnivore. Like everyone has to eat some vegetables. Uh, so you you are already eating plants all the time. Most people are, you know. Exactly. So it, it, if you can reduce that meat or that dairy from the dish, um, yeah, you're onto a Exactly. Man. And, you know, maybe you just do it little by little, yeah. you know, and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I really subscribe to the idea that more is more and, you know, and everyone, if it takes you a little bit of time to do it, but it you really enjoy it and it becomes a key part of your life 
that is in the long run so much better than change trying to change everything overnight, feeling deeply overwhelmed by it and quitting. And then saying, as you said, this isn't for me. I don't like it. Um, the world would be a better place if all of us became real flexitarians versus everyone thinking it's all or nothing and so they're going to do nothing. Yeah. Obviously, I think you've become a bit of an expert on the health benefits of plant-based living, especially through the podcast, which I've been listening to. Could you just outline what you think the the main health benefits of plant-based living are, but then also... um, some of the kind of pitfalls people encounter or some of the assumptions people make about plant-based eating in relation to health that are wrong um, yeah. would be really interesting to hear. Okay, amazing. I'm going to start with the pitfalls, if that's okay. Yeah. So, well, I think there's two. I think, you know, and I'm sure you've already talked about this, but protein is the one that people are obsessed with. Where do you get your protein from on a plant-based diet? I think just to kind of set the scene, pretty much nobody bar kind of specific medical conditions um, or very, very, very niche dietary requirements or preferences is deficient in protein um, in the Western world. It's it's really not something to worry about. Yeah. Um, we are, on the other hand, very deficient in fiber. You know, in the UK, we're eating just over 50% of the fiber we need. So we should be thinking a little, it's, protein's incredibly important. It's very, very important. It makes a huge difference to your ev- almost every function in your body. It's the building blocks of your body. I'm not saying it's not important, but I am saying it's very easy to get protein on a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Every bit of data shows that vegans get more than enough protein. They don't eat as much as omnivores on the whole, but everybody's eating more than enough. Yeah. Um, and deficiency in protein as I said, unless you've got very, very niche dietary patterns or a specific medical condition, it's not really something people need to worry about. So I'd park that. Um, but I think, and so that's, I think, the number one pitfall. I think then the other pitfall to, to just be aware of, and I, I think the, the research is quite interesting here, which is that a predominantly whole food plant-based diet, and by that I mean really focusing on those very simple and also really important to note, especially right now, tending ingredients that tend to be really inexpensive as well, yeah. like um, you know seasonal veggies and potatoes, chickpeas, lentils, etc., yeah. which are very accessible ingredients. A diet based on those sorts of ingredients is pretty much universally shown to be the healthiest diet in the world. But, you know, I think it it is a watch out that you can go to a vegan diet and it can actually be inherently really unhealthy Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of ultra processed vegan foods Mm -hmm. that um, obviously from an environmental and ethical perspective can have real benefits. But from a health perspective, it's just a little bit of a watch out because you you likely won't be getting everything that you need. Um, So I think that's just something to be wary of. I'm not saying you should, you know, that you should never have them. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, you don't want the bulk of your diet to be the kind of meat mimics, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I think that's quite important. Yeah. But the health benefits of a diet that's really plant-rich and so it's full of colourful fruits and veggies and all your legumes and nuts and seeds and whole grains, et cetera, are kind of almost too many to even begin to list. You know, vegans are shown to have lower total cancer cancer instances, um, you know, bring your cholesterol down, your blood pressure down, um, obesity, et cetera. It's almost like any condition that's rife in the Western world, a plant-based diet is shown to improve, um, uh, is shown to improve or um, reduce the likelihood of you, of you getting that. So, it's kind. It's kind of unbelievable, really. Um, but I think the other bit that's so that's so brilliant is obviously gut health is such a huge topic at the moment. Something mm-hmm. that people are so fascinated about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really need to have. I'm not saying an exclusively plant based, but a very plant rich diet for good gut health because all the recent research shows that you want to be having at least thirty different plant based foods a week for optimum gut health. Um, now that's not just different vegetables that also again like a chickpeas one a butter beans one a kidney bean um spices herbs etc as well but you again you need to be having very veggie focused meals Mm -hmm. to be able to hit you know 30 plus a week so that's something to be really conscious of um and then obviously also you know your gut health massively impacts your mental health but as well as the your total physical health and 
your gut has a kind of bi-directional relationship both with your brain but so much the rest of your body um, and we, we do really want to look after it and a very plant-rich diet is is really the optimum way of doing that. Brilliant. I think you, you summarised everything I also would have said about the, the health subject. It was great. Um, so I think we'll, we'll bring it to an end there. I'd, like, I'd love to give you an opportunity to just let people know how they can find out more about Deliciously Ella, how they can follow you online, all those things. Go ahead. Yeah, so if you want to learn more about what we do, um, we share loads of easy resources on um, our Instagram page and TikTok as well. We're, we're quite new to TikTok. It slightly scares me, but just at Deliciously Ella. Um, if you are quite new, then we've also um, in summer 22 published a book called How to Go Plant-Based. And so you've got over 100 recipes in there and they're easy everyday recipes, one pan, um, one pot, et cetera, midweek meals. But we also had seven amazing plant-based um, doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, a pediatric dietitian contribute to it because I really wanted to cover basically all the FAQs. Um, so including if you've got children and, and they're doing this as a family, because that was something I became very interested in when I had my children. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really good resource as well if you are wanting to kind of really dive into it. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. It was great speaking to you. Um, see you later. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Kim, I did that interview with Ella on my own. You were available, but you've just had a listen back. I wondered what you thought. Yeah, I, I again, really sad that I couldn't be a part of that. But yeah, listening back to it, um, it's, it's really incredible listening to her journey with her health struggles and how she felt so, so hopeless um, to the point where her doctors were kind of like, what else can we do? And then she kind of found this holistic approach to health and that included the plant-based um, diet and how that had kind of given her a new hope and mm. almost like giving her her life back. I found that was so inspiring to listen to. Um, I love listening to her talk about celebrating the plants as they are. Um, and that really resonated with me because um, I grew up in a predominantly vegetarian household. Um, so my mum always was really good at cooking like vegetables. They were seasoned well and, you know, they were like the main feature of most of our dinners. Um but it was a real culture shock when I went to other people's households. And, you know, I grew up as a vegetarian, so I'd be like going around to someone's house to play and they would be, you know, the mum would be like, oh, here's some boiled carrots and a boiled potato. And, you know, didn't know what what to cook me at all, um, which is always quite fun. And you can tell, I, I was joking with my partner, you can tell a non non plant-based kind of person uh just by how they cook vegetables like straight away because yeah. there seems to be I don't know when when you can rely on that kind of flavor of meat you see people you know really tend to meat when they're cooking it um and if you give that same love to the vegetables that you can have a similar you know taste experience so that really resonated with me about kind of celebrating um food uh, and, and plants in particular as they kind of come I like that, you know, just give the carrot a chance type thing. That was quite funny. Yeah. Um, I also loved listening about how she'd influenced her family and her, yeah, really um, like, extended family and her circle and how they all kind of thought that it was a bit of a joke at first and weren't really sure about it. And then they've been swayed. Um, it goes back to us all being secret vegan spies, I think. But um, we've been, you know, all of our family and friends have been kind of swayed into this way of thinking um, almost imperceptibly. And uh, I know that that's an experience that you have as well. And I, I had a similar one as well. Um, so I'd love to think that anyone listening to this who's trying vegan and falls in love with it, maybe that, that they wouldn't be put off by people asking questions and um, being unsure of it. Because I guarantee in not very long, they'll be asking you for recipes and they'll be joining you in almost everything that you eat. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Also, I loved, absolutely loved her the when she was talking about her miso marinade I was like salivating listening to her talk about that and how she'd just whip it up out of nowhere and I was just in complete awe because like you I just stand at the pantry and I'm like what <laughs> what am I gonna cook today <laughs> excuse me um what am I gonna cook today especially with a fussy toddler that's a whole mm. whole nother ballpark but yeah. I really loved that and I hope everyone enjoys it as much as uh, as much as I did she was absolutely fascinating to listen to 
Yeah, that approach of just really uh, experimenting with food and just throwing stuff in a blender, I just think is I'm quite envious of her ability to do that because I'm much yeah. more of a kind of follow a recipe kind of person. Yeah. And um, just some really practical tips. Get a food processor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one that I always forget to tell people to buy if they're like going vegan or to like get hold of. Um and I remember I was writing something for Veganuary and we were talking about a similar, like a shopping list and I sent it to you and you were like, don't forget the food processor. And I was like, I completely forgot the food processor because it's just such a staple. You'd almost like forget that it's there. Like, you know, it's, it's just part of the household. We joke that between that and the air fryer, they're like the hardest working members of our family oh. um, because, because we just, yeah, they're constantly in use. But absolutely, the food processor is a must because there's so much you can do with it it's like that an air fryer you're away aren't you Stu it's that time again when I quiz you on things people are gonna ask or some difficult questions you might get and what your responses would be so I think in keeping with the theme this week my first question to you is isn't a lot of vegan food ultra processed and really bad for you uh, okay so i mean obviously a lot of the meat substitutes that you get are ultra processed there's been a big explosion in um vegan junk food recently um you know as as the vegan bandwagon has rolled down the hill and more people are getting involved um and that's really exciting if you're a vegan it's really exciting to have all these great options right and mm. um uh and, and you can definitely pig out on all these things like you did this week, okay? But um, uh, Vegan, you conducted some research a couple of years ago. We found that only 3.7% of all vegan households spend on food and drink goes on meat substitutes. So it, for most people, it's actually a pretty low portion of a vegan mm. diet. And probably if you're someone that was eating a lot of junk food before, you're likely to just continue eating junk food that hasn't really got anything to do with eating a vegan diet um mm. i personally like i said it's a long time since i ate a lot of junk food and when i transitioned to a plant-based diet that didn't change i very occasionally have a bit of junk food but um not very much uh, and, and what really helps is if you can learn to cook just a few basic vegan meals you know if you uh then you can avoid the meat substitutes you can quite easily have a pretty much whole food plant-based diet um mm. and that is the healthiest uh and it's also probably the best for your budget so mm. yeah it, 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 it's a myth really that um that all vegan food is ultra processed i was going to ask can you have a whole diet without meat substitutes but i think you've just answered that <laughs> one in one um so budget then let's let's talk budget as well so can you be vegan on a budget or is it just not possible well i think you can i mean um obviously this is something that lots of people are going to be concerned about right now because we're all finding our finances are squeezed um but meat and dairy is expensive okay like the most expensive aisle outside the booze aisle in the supermarket is the meat aisle so if you're eating a whole food plant-based diet uh, and you're concentrating on fresh produce and pulses and tin food all that stuff I, I think is relatively cheap um mm. uh and you know you can take it even further by trying to focus on really seasonal food because obviously the food's cheaper when it's in season um and the more um popular that vegans food gets you know vegan labeled food and, and processed food meat substitutes etc <clears throat> the more that people eat it the cheaper it's going to get um and you, right. we heard we heard hannah from ogs on a previous episode talking about this you know um uh the the greater the demand is the more that the cost is going to come down um but for right now i think it is possible to eat vegan on a budget obviously you have to plan a bit more but um if you sign up to our email series, then we've got loads and loads of tips in there about um, cooking on a budget. We've got a budget meal plan. We've got a one pot meal plan, which will help mm. you use less gas when you're cooking. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's easily doable to eat vegan diet and, you know, keep your budget down. And actually, the, the same piece of research where we found about um, meat substitutes only being 3.7% of vegan household spend, um, that same piece of research found that vegan households actually spend 8% less 
per grocery chip on average than non-vegan households of a similar size. That's really that's really interesting as a statistic, isn't it? I think I'm sure mm-hmm. people would be really interested to know about that, especially as you said with the the economy the way that it is at the moment. It's tough for everyone. Um, yeah, and I think it's really important for us to kind of dispel that that myth that it's not achievable for everybody. Um, I find that, well, I mean, I've, I found it from the moment that that I switched over, but I find that, you know, I can say, oh, I've, you know, done a full weekly shop for X amount and my friends are just shocked at it. Mm. I'm saying, well, you know, I'm not buying legs of lamb, I'm not buying, you know, chicken, I'm not buying milk and yogurts and all of that. It's, you know, the bits that I'm buying are kind of more selectively chosen, I guess. And, yeah. and I find that um, as a vegan to meal plan becomes a little bit more important because mm. um at first it's that conscious choice but i think you get yourself into this habit don't you a lot of a lot of the time so meal planning definitely helped and as you said vegan you've got so many amazing meal plans and cookbooks and nutritional guides that it, it's kind of easy to make that switch over um and be really conscious about what you're purchasing as well at the same time absolutely um Absolutely. So, I mean, that's all I've got for you this week. This week's Stu. Oh, phew. <laughs> so t- please tell us what we've got to look forward to next week. Yeah, in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the reasons why uh, we think that a plant-based diet is the best way to go. So why a vegan diet is better for the animals and why it's better for the planet. And then who is our lovely guest as well next week? Yeah, I think this one's really exciting. We're going to be speaking to Alexis Gautier, who is the world's first uh, Michelin-starred chef to go vegan. And he's he's turned his um, restaurant in Soho fully vegan. So we'll be asking him all about that experience. Can't wait to speak to him uh, and learn all of the tricks. (laughs) Uh, You've been listening to the Veganuary podcast with me, Stuart. And me, Kim. Don't forget to sign up to Veganuary at veganuary.com forward slash try vegan to get all of our email hints and tips and recipes. Thanks for listening. Bye.